And you're listening to 94.1 KPFA in Berkeley, 89.3 KPFB in Berkeley, 88.1 KFCF in Fresno, online at kpfa.org. The time is 3 p.m. Stay tuned for Cover to Cover. Happy ending, nice and tidy, it's a rule I learned in school. Get your money every Friday, happy endings are the rule, so divide up. In darkness from the ones who walk in light. Light them up, boys. There's your picture. Drop the shadows out of sight. This is Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw. Today is Tuesday, June the 10th, 2014. It's still June. Still summer. Summer fun, you know. Oh, oh, sand between the toes or not. Um, actually, I spent last week watching movies on television. An old friend of mine, she tells me that Memories are better than movies. Could be. I'm going to have to think about that. Sunday night, I watched the Tony Awards. The prizes for legitimate theater, you know. (laughs) I guess, yes, movies are illegitimate. Anyway, stage, stage. It's still the elite entertainment Of the time, the Broadway stage. I don't know about awards. Uh, Obviously, they're good advertisements for the shows, you know. They got the Emmys and the Oscars and the Tonys, and everyone loved Hugh Grant. He's the guy who had the lead in the movie Les Mis. He was the MC at the Tonys. Anyway, uh, the Tonys, I guess, have the most prestige among the the uh, aristocrats in the theater. Uh, also, well, actually, no, the Oscars are the ones who give the most cash back. The money, if you measure it by money. And, of course, glamour needs money. Glitter is expensive. Anyway, the Tonys still seem more authentic to me because... They reward the essential elements. They also feature the good stuff, the stuff that I'm not going to get back to New York to see, you know. Uh, especially they give us little, little bits and pieces of the scripts, the plays, the stage performance, the real thing, the authentic stuff. This year, I noticed the dancers and singers and writers and actors and directors all were darker than they used to be. Have you noticed that? They are not quite in proportion to the population as a whole, but close, close. It's true that black artists are finally in evidence. There they are. 
they promise to become even more so because they are and they have been for a long, long time the aristocrats of our theater artists. Not only the song and dance, you know, but the, the whole ball of whack, the whole show. It's an international phenomenon. There was a gorgeous black actress. Oh, oh, what a dream girl. She thanked the powers that be, the establishment. Uh, she thanked uh, her mentors for supporting her. <laughs> anyway, I can't believe, I can't believe what she said. She said uh, she was grateful that they wanted a Jewish Nigerian Brit to cross the pond and hit the big time on Broadway. I made a note about her British accent, right? A Jewish Nigerian Brit. That's got to be a first. Now, this is the actor who stars in um, a revival of Lorraine Hansberry's Raisin in the Sun. How could a play be more American than Raisin in the Sun? Anyway, uh, all this stuff, you know, this is not just a post-colonial culture anymore. We're talking about something new under the sun. It's not just pan-African. It's pretty much pan-everything. I'm beginning to feel historic. Uh, history has happened. I was born in 1933, and in 80 years, I've seen more change than any of us could have imagined at the beginning of the 20th century. Even in the middle of the 20th century, uh... Uh, things were totally different, totally different. Uh, well, not quite totally, but, you know, the past, the past is bubbling up everywhere. It's present, but, but, you know, what was that Gertrude Stein uh, says? She says, let me recite, let me recite what history teaches. History teaches. I can remember Hattie McDaniel getting the first uh, Oscar first black actor to get an Oscar was for her role in Gone with the Wind. You remember she played Mammy. That movie was 1939. I still remember the scene when she's kind of flirting with Rhett Butler about her, her red petticoat. I know it was condescending. I know it, but it was amazing. Also, she made me cry when the child died. And when she got her Oscar, she wept. Now, 1939, I was six years old. Aha. Uh -huh. Hmm. I was older when Whoopi Goldberg hosted the Oscars, but that made me think of Mom's Mabley. Um, there's a lot of material on Mom's Mabley uh, on HBO documentaries. Made me think of all those black women and men who sang and suffered and did their jobs throughout the years, all those years from Lincoln to LBJ and then on into the present day. Uh, it's curious. Lena Horne, yes, almost as beautiful as uh, Halle Berry. Maybe more, I don't know. People like to sit around and measure those things. 
Uh, comparisons are odious, of course, but Dorothy Dandridge was certainly just as sexy as any of her white contemporaries, including Marilyn Monroe. <sighs> but now, 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 in the 21st century, we know all about human perception, about how we see we, each one of us, sees things not as they are, but as we are. You know, what you see depends on where you sit. I got to thinking about Maya Angelou, who has died, uh, gone to the ancestors more than a week ago, reading her books on looking through the material uh let's see she takes with her 86 years of american history african american history i was trying to remember all all the people places all those problems she faced the list of her contemporaries is very long some of them still alive. Uh, she had a glorious life, spectacular career. Kind of a Renaissance woman at her memorial, Ofra Winfrey, called her a great teacher. I like that, a teacher. I loved her honesty. There was no one more grounded. <laughs> Tell it like it is. One of the autobiographies, one of her late autobiographies, it's titled The Heart of a Woman. Brought that with me today. It's got all sorts of stories about the ways black artists fought and worked and struggled and laughed through all the years. Maya Angelou was not, not just an entertainer uh, any more than Paul Robeson was uh, just a singer, you know. Uh, he was an all-round great from football hero to playing Othello on the London stage, you know. Paul Robeson should have been president. Maybe Maya should have been president, right. Uh, anyway, her essential persona was unique. She was never just a celebrity. Her activism, that is her belief in equality, was the basis of everything she did. Whether it was overtly political, you know, or whether it was uh, poetic, theatrical, creative. She was an organizer for Martin Luther King. And uh, there's a wonderful passage in this autobiography about her work on Jean Genet's controversial play, The Blacks. <laughs> it's about reverse racism. Her African husband tries to convince her that it's a good idea. Uh, the idea by Jean Genet's uh, idea, his idea was roughly that uh, given a chance, anyone could become authoritarian. Everybody wants to be a master, as one of my friends said. Now, Genet was a, a Frenchman and gay and uh, a lot of spins on that one. And, of course, Maya was on the barricades. And at that stage in her life, she sincerely believed that black persons were more humane, better, nicer, uh, 
altogether uh, way ahead of white folks. Uh, now, <laughs> yes, I, I think, you know, I, I think she had a point. Yes, I'm with her on that. But James Baldwin also helped straighten her out on that one. Uh, anyway, uh, what I want to read you today, I want to read you a little piece about Billie Holiday, when she met Billie Holiday, because it's the most affecting, uh, it is not politically correct, it's not even very positive. Uh, the autobiography, uh, The Heart of a Woman, is worth looking at because of the spins on Malcolm X, Martin Luther King, Jimmy Baldwin, <laughs> Godfrey Cambridge. She invited Godfrey Cambridge over for dinner, but he didn't make a pass. And um, she's her longtime friendship with Abby Lincoln, who was married to Max Roach, and they they walked out on the uh, the play, The Black Day. <laughs> they threw in the sponge. Anyway, these are all the people who created the art and culture of the 20th century, and uh, I think you know they are the foundation of our culture, our art today. Uh, now, when I read this next little section, I'm worried. I want to be sure I don't make a mistake and say one of the words that can get us into trouble here on KPFA. I will just leave out words that I know are against the rules. If they are necessary for the context, I will use the first letter of the word, as in, you know, the N word, the T word, the S word. You know how that goes. Uh, I think that that's probably the right thing to do. Uh, <laughs> you know, otherwise, FCC spank. Anyway, I'm jumping here. Let's see. Her little book begins in 1957, this part of the autobiography, right? There she is. She's out there. She's doing a, uh, uh, she's doing a world tour of Porgy and Bess. European tour, yes. She comes home to California, and she winds up in Sausalito. She says she joined the Beatnik Brigade. Uh, okay. Uh, her mother comes over from San Francisco on monthly visits, dressed in diamonds and spike heels and furs, and uh, gets her shoes caught between the loose floorboards, and, you know, she uh, sticks wads of money under the pillow, and Gives Maya checks. Now, at this point, Maya Angelou has a son, uh, and she's very worried. Her mother is very worried about her grandchild. Uh, anyway, finally, she decides to get a house in Laurel Canyon. She gets a Jewish friend to rent it for her because, of course, things are very restricted and... She says that the few black people who lived in Laurel Canyon were rich, famous, and light-skinned enough to pass, at least for Portuguese. I, on the other hand, was a little-known nightclub singer who was said to have more determination than talent, and I wanted desperately to live in the glamorous surroundings. Mm-hmm, yes. In the beginning, of course, we all want to be famous, famous, famous. 1957, wow. Remember doing a play over at the Intersection Theater.
theater. Oh, my. I mustn't. I mustn't get off the track here. What am I looking for? Uh, I'm looking for Billie Holiday. She's put her son, Guy, into the local school. And she's received only a few threatening phone calls. And she got a handsome dated automobile, a sea green 10-year-old Chrysler. (laughs) Okay. So, one day... Her pal, Wilkie, walks into her house and says, Do you want to meet Billie Holiday? Of course, who wouldn't? Is she working in town? No, no, just passing through. I'm going down to her hotel. I'll bring her back here if you think you can handle it. What's to handle? She's a woman. I'm a woman. Wilkie laughed. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're sassy. Billy may like you in that case. It'll be all right. She might not, and then that's your ass. Well, that could work the other way around. I might not like her. Wilkie laughed again. I said you're sassy. Have you got some gin? There was one bottle which had been gathering dust. Wilkie stood. Uh, Give me the keys. She'll like riding in a convertible. I didn't become nervous until he left. Then the reality of Lady Day coming to my house slammed into me and started my body quaking. Uh, It was well known she used heavy drugs and I hardly smoke grass anymore, so how could I tell her she couldn't shoot up or sniff up in my house? It was also rumored that she had lesbian affairs. Now, if she propositioned me, how could I reject her without making her think? I was rejecting her. (laughs) Her temper was legendary in show business, and I didn't want to arouse it. I vacuumed and emptied ashtrays and dusted, knowing that a clean house would in no way influence Billie Holiday. I saw her through the screen door, and my nervousness turned quickly to shock. The bloated face held only a shadow of its familiar prettiness. When she walked into the house, her eyes were a flat black. When Wilkie introduced us, her hand lay in mine like a child's rubber toy. How you do, Maya? You got a nice house. She hadn't even looked around. It was that slow, lean, whining voice which had frequently been my sole companion on lonely nights. I brought the gin and sat listening as Wilkie and Billy talked about the old days, old friends in Washington, D.C. The names and escapades over which they gloated meant nothing to me. But... (laughs) I was caught into the net of conversation by the complexity of Billy's language now experienced with street people, hustlers, gamblers, and petty criminals had exposed me to cursing years in nightclub dressing rooms, cabarets, and jute joints had taught me every combination of profanity, or so I thought. Billie Holiday's language was a mixture of mockery and vulgarity. 
that caught me without warning, although she used the old common words. They were in new arrangements, spoken in that casual tone which seemed to drag itself rasping across the ears when she finally turned to include me in her conversation. I knew nothing I could think of would hold her attention. Wilkie tells me you're a singer. You a jazz singer, too? You any good? Uh, no, not really. I, I don't have good pitch. Do you want to be a great singer? Do you want to compete with me? No, I don't want to compete with anybody. I'm an entertainer making a living. <laughs> As an entertainer, you mean showing some tea and shaking your booty? I don't have to do all that. I wouldn't do that to keep a job, no matter what. <laughs> you better say, Joe, because you sure don't know. Wilkie came to my defense, just as I was getting to wonder how to get the woman and her hostility out of my house. Millie, you ought to see her before you talk. She sings folk songs, calypso, blues. Now, you know me. If I say she's good, I mean it. She's good, and she's nice enough to invite us to lunch, so get off her. Or you can walk your ass right down this hill. You know I'm not playing about that ass. She started laughing. Well, keep. I ain't changed a damn thing but last year's drawers. I knew you'd put my ass out on the street sooner or later. She turned to me, managed a fragile smile. What we gonna eat, baby? I hadn't thought about food. I had a raw chicken in the refrigerator. I'm gonna fry chicken, fried chicken rice and Arkansas gravy. Chicken and rice is always good, but fry that sucker. Fry him till he's ready. I can't stand no goddamn rare chicken. Now, Billy, I don't claim to be a great singer, but I know how to mix groceries. I have never served raw chicken. Okay, baby, okay, just telling you, I, I can't stand to see blood on the bone of a chicken. <laughs> I take your word, you know what you're doing. I didn't mean to hurt your feelings. I retreated to the kitchen. I couldn't imagine how the afternoon was going to end. Maybe I'd be lucky. They'd drink all the gin, and Wilkie would take her to a bar on sunset. She sat at the table gingerly. Each move of her body seemed to be considered before she attempted execution. Got a footnote here. This is obviously the physical state of... Uh, Someone who is very ill. She died a few months after um, this scene we see here uh, in New York Hospital, I think. Anyway, Billy Holiday says, You set a pretty table. You ain't got a husband? I told her I lived alone with my son. She turned with the first sharp action I had seen since she came into my house. Can't stand children. The little crumb crushers eat you out of house and home and never say, dog, kiss my foot. My son is not like that. He's intelligent and polite. Yeah, well, I can't stand to be around any of the little bastards. This is good chicken. 
I looked at Wilkie. Uh, he said, Billy, I'm going to take you to a joint on Western where you can get anything you want. She didn't allow the full mouth of chicken to prevent her from speaking. Hell, if I wanted to go to a joint, don't you think I could have found one without you? I know every place in every town in this country that sells anything that crosses your mind. I wanted to come to a nice lady's house. She's a good cook, too. Let me have that drumstick. Uh, while I put away the remaining chicken, she talked about Hawaii. People love the islands, the islands, hell, all that. Yes, it's a bunch of water. Just a bunch of sand over there. The sun shines all the time. What the hell else is the sun supposed to do? Mm. <laughs> Maya goes on trying to be positive, talking about how lovely it is in Hawaii. Billy says, oh, they're just a bunch of ends, ends running around with no clothes on, and that music, she imitates the sound of a ukulele. No. I'd rather be in New York. Everybody in New York City is a son of a bitch, but at least they don't pretend there's something else. <laughs> anyway, Wilkie tries to get Billy to get in the car and go on back to her hotel, and uh, he says to her, Thanks, Maya. We have to go now. Billy looked up from her drink and said, Speak for yourself. All I got to do is stay black and die. <laughs> anyway, they they dance around for a while here, and uh, it seems that Billie Holiday is going to stay, and her friend Wilkie splits, and uh, uh-huh, he takes off, walks onto his car, and... Uh, after a few moments in silence, Billy Holiday asks, uh, You're square, ain't you? I knew what she meant. Yes. Then how come you invited me to your house? Because you are a great artist and I respect you. Hmm. <laughs> B.S. You just wanted to see what I looked like up close. That's all right. That don't hurt my feelings. You see me now, though. You ain't seeing nothing. I used to be a bitch on wheels. A lot of folks thought I was pretty. Anyhow, that's what they said. Of course, you know how folks talk. They'll tell you anything to get what they want. Of course, there are them that'll strong arm you. <laughs> I know a lot of them, too. When she spoke again, it was in a conspiratorial whisper. Men. Men can really do it to you. Women would, too, if they had the nerve, just as greedy, just as scared to let on. The scene goes on for a couple of pages. It's an amazing scene, I... I was trying to think of a way to turn it into a stage, stage play here. Uh, Maya's son comes in, he's 12, and his, uh, his energy and his positive, joyous presence actually startles 
Billie Holiday, and she tries to relate to him. She comes back to see Maya for several days, and uh, uh, they get to know each other. And I wish I had time to read you the end of this. She used to sing a song to Maya's son each night before she left, and the last song she sings is Strange Fruit. And she and uh, Maya's son, Guy, have a little altercation when Billie Holiday explains to Maya's son, Guy, what the song Strange Fruit really means. This has been Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw. I'll be back on the air this same time next week. Till then, go easy. And if you can't go easy, go as easy as you can. June 14th at 8 p.m., the Living Arts Playback Theater Ensemble invites you to a performance of Immigrant Stories Honoring the Immigrant Experience. Audience members from diverse cultures are invited to share personal stories connected to their legacy. Then the actors and musicians will transform these stories into improvised theater pieces that illustrate and bring to light our individual and collective heritage. This groundbreaking social justice theater is directed by Armand Vocalist and takes place at La Peña Cultural Center, which is located at 3105 Shattuck Avenue in Berkeley. For more information, call 510-595-5555 or visit www.livingartsplayback.com. This event is a benefit for the Living Arts Center.